So, this is the self-development with tactics. Book. Today, we're going to talk about another book, notes, article, and um, with that also about the author and a little bit more about that, you know? It's going to be amazing. It's probably going to be about more like business things and maybe even marketing because most often or sometimes it is like something that's correlating with each other. But yeah, we're going to go through that and I'm going to tell you the, well, title, yeah, it's called the title. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the title after the intro, as always. Not quite as always, you know, but there is most often something after the intro, you know. But yeah, with that being said, hello, welcome back to the next episode of the Self-Development with Tactics podcast. And I am really looking forward to going through this. But before I even go through this, I do want to just, you know, talk about a few things. Um, it's going to be just 30 seconds. I'm going to give myself 30 seconds. So the first thing is the podcast. It is a podcast and it is also a YouTube video. So you can choose between those two, whatever you like the most. Then notes. It's the most important one. I do forget about it, but please check out the link in the description. It is just leading you to a Google Drives folder where there's actually summaries of all the episodes that I went through. Um... I mean, all the episodes that I went through, which included some articles, because I'm always highlighting certain parts of them, and these are then going to be in this um, in this PDF. Then the last thing is the the music. If you want to have some background music, then please check out the third, fourth link, third section. But yeah, you know, let's actually go through it, and I'm really interested in that. And we're gonna go straight ahead to the author, and the author is Yang Mi Moon. I do, by the way, hope that I've pronounced it correctly. And this is a picture, just to show you a little tiny bit bigger. Yang Mi Moon speaking in 10,010. 10, and I'm going to uh, read this small little introduction of her. Yang Mi Moon is a Donald K. David professor, professor I'm sorry, of business administration at Harvard Business School. At HBS, Professor Moon has held numerous leadership positions, including Senior Associate Dean for the MBA program, Senior Associate Dean for Strategy and Innovation, and has launched a number of strategic innovations, such as the MBA, MBA field curriculum and the HBX learning platform. Um, she has received the HBS Award for Teaching Excellence on multiple occasions and currently offers one of the most popular courses in the MBA program. She's also the inaugural recipient of the Hellman Faculty Fellowship awarded for distinction in research. So she's definitely a very accomplished woman, which is something that I do appreciate because I'm unfortunately often talking about men. And I'm often just talking about men and books that are written by men and whatnot, which is something that's like, yeah, you know, I do want to talk about some women as well. And I do want to also go through a little bit of her biography because it might be important. It might be also quite relevant since we are reading a book of her, you know, she wrote the book and therefore there might be like some nuances that can be somehow correlated or caused by her biography. Yang Mi Moon serves on the board of directors uh, of Unilever, which is fucking insane. A leading global consumer goods company. Like, I mean, I don't know what's not a part of Unilever. There's so many companies, like so incredibly many companies, like it is insane. We, we could even go through like a list of them. We might, you know, we, 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 we might. Is there actually a link to Unilever? No, there is not. Anyway, uh, Rakuten, one of Asia's most prominent e-commerce companies, but it is also 
quite huge actually in Austria as well. Like, you know, it, it's it's prominent, people know it, but it's probably not going to be as huge as it is in Asia, I guess. Sweetgreen, a fast casual salad chain, and Warby Parker, a leading online eyeglasses retailer. Moon received her MA and PhD from Stanford University and her BA from Yale University. Prior to joining Harvard Business School, she was on the faculty at, at Massachusetts Institute of Macho Technology, I'm sorry, so the MIT. But yeah, let's actually get to the book. I do hope, by the way, that this small little icon thing on the left side of the screen is not bothering you, because it's bothering me <laughs> actually quite a bit. Um, but yeah, this is a book summary by uh, Nate Allianz. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, Nate Liaison. I do hope that I've pronounced it. It could also be Natel Eisen, Natel Eisen, could also be. I'm actually very sorry, but I'm going to link everything down in the description so that you can also go through the article because I might be too slow, I might be too whatever. So please, please check it out because I assume and I hope that it is going to be a good one. You know, I haven't gone through it fully. I've just, you know, kind of um, picked out a few things to just see if there's something good in it. And I believe that there is something good in it. And therefore, we're also going to go through it. High-level thoughts. The message of this book is huge. Do try or do not try to make sure your weaknesses are up to par as everyone else. Love your weaknesses and acutate your strengths. Be different. Porsche, or Porsche actually, since it's a German brand, does not make cheap cars. Robert Greene does not write easy books. And Nassim Taleb is not polite. <laughs> Well, I, I went through a few book summaries also by him, so also by this, um, but his author or, or writer. Um, and I don't know if he's not polite. Like, I didn't really think that that it's like, wow, really unpolite and he's really like grotesque or whatever. But yeah, be different and better to stand out and succeed. And this seems to be the message. Why is this so? I'm sorry. Let's correct that. And I'm going to highlight it because it might be necessary for you to know. The summary notes. But what I have learned from this experience is what while a commitment to rehearsal will almost always produce competence, it will almost always produce a kind of automaticity, automaticity too. There is a reason why so many educators rail against road learning. I don't know what ro road learning is. Mechanical or habitual repetition of something to be learned. Why so many educators rail against Road learning, and it is that they know it can have the self-defeating effect of promotion, defeating effect of promoting a kind of mindlessness. Yeah, kind of. Once we overlearn something, we cease to know it anymore at all. And I think we know that. Like, which is quite of an interesting thing to be honest, because there's actually really often like overdoing things. You know, you can overtrain, you can actually overtake vitamins as well. You know, because vitamins as far as I know and as far as I have also researched it like a, a few years ago there is actually negative effects of having too many vitamins and not just consuming too much of one particular vitamin I think there is actually I don't know if it was vitamin c or vitamin c but I actually kind of guess it was that it actually had the kind of opposite effect of what it is just serving to us basically or why we're even taking it and why we even just have to also consume it or take it or whatever which is then quite interesting, you know. Of course, you do just really have to consume a lot of it, a lot of this, you know. But I mean, which is also something that I thought about today as I was eating my orange. Consuming one orange is actually kind of enough, 
you know, you don't need more than an orange and probably like maybe an apple as well. And then I think, I'm not quite sure, but I think your vitamin C uh, level is just fine, you know, for the day. And then I thought like, well, if I was really poor, you know, and if I was just living on my own, if I didn't have just a lot of money and if I had to just buy my own groceries, I really think that I would just really calculate what I have to eat so that I'm actually covering all my needs. And I think it's actually not that much. I think it's not even that expensive as well, you know, because an orange a day for, for seven days a week or something, I mean, it's, I don't know, three bucks or something, maybe. You know, it just obviously depends on, on where you're buying your stuff. But I don't believe that it is too much then, you know, to really actually live healthy and eat healthy, but also just not spending too much of it. You know, if you're just trying to then get some organic stuff, I don't know if it is that easy then or if it is that possible then as well. But but yeah, anyway, I have a friend, a businesswoman, which I appreciate, who claims that she can absorb the gist of a business book, any business book, in under an hour. Of course, whether or not you're impressed by her claim, it depends on whether you have ever read one yourself. Because most business books are written for easy digestion. They are reductive in a way that subway maps are reductive. Because they should be, you know, you do not need like any fucking information there. The elimination of unnecessary information creates a kind of conceptual isolation that is functionally efficient to the extreme. And it is highly about learning. This is what I'm seeing. And it is, at this point in time, it is something that I do have to think about. And I am thinking about it and researching a lot about it um, quite often. Um, well, I've done it yesterday and I think the day before. And I'm just really trying to get into that to see how to learn the best way. And I've also seen a few articles and a few um, few podcasts I've been listening to by Tim Ferriss, who is definitely, definitely, definitely a really good learner. You know, he really, over the past few years, has figured out how to how to learn the best way. And there's a system that he's having that is called DISS, which stands for, and I've heard it so often, I do hope <laughs> that I'm going to be able to um, recap that. Um, deconstruct, what's I? Or is it DSSS? Well, I know that it is deconstruct, then it is sequence, which is the last one. Then it is, um, I don't know if this part of it, well, let's let's actually look it up. I do hope that I'm actually, yes. Tim Ferriss DISS. You know, it's it's a really important one and a really good one. And this is why I'm also, um, I'm going to link this page down in the description as well. So just please, please read it and please go through some things. I might also be actually talking about it in a later episode, but I do just want to kind of prepare that a little bit more because it is something that's incredibly interesting and incredibly valuable, at least in my point of view. So let's see. Um, the first point is deconstruction. What are the minimal learnable units, the Lego blocks, I should start with? Which is the question that Tim Ferriss is giving us. What are the minimal learnable units, the Lego blocks, I should starting I should starting with question mark. And then there's also going to be about uh, reduction and reducing and whatnot. Then uh, they also talk about reversal. It's a process of looking at the final product of your skill and backtracking to find the best way to begin a task, which is also a good thing. You know, you've already done some things and you've already probably learned some things. And yeah, you know, is it actually D-S-S-S-S? No, it is D-I-S-S-S-S. But what does the I stand for? I do think that the I is kind kind of unnecessary. The second thing is selection, actually, which is the first S. And this is about the 80-20 rule. Like 20% of the things make up for 80% of the results. 
and you have to figure out what these 20% are, you know, really important, you know, and also since I'm going to have my final exams in uh, think three months or something, I do am really trying to figure that out and I am going to just try to, to, to get in the process, you know, and also use this process because he has been able to learn languages, swimming, um, tango, because he's actually a champion. I don't know if it is a world championship or if it was a world championship, but he's definitely a, a champion in tango in some way. But I think it's actually been worldwide, as far as I know, by using these techniques. The second one is sequencing, which is in what order should I learn the blocks? You know, how does it make sense? And it is not always going to be from like the beginning to the end, you know, because he also talked about somebody learning chess. I don't unfortunately remember whom it was, but he learned chess. But he didn't just begin with the openings, but he ended with the endings. So how to end a match, you know, how to win in the quite end. And it's quite interesting. So it's not always from the beginning. You know, you shouldn't always start with the beginning. Then stakes, which is probably going to be the last one, I guess. Can I? No. <laughs> How do I set up stakes to create real consequences and guarantee I follow the program? Which might just be about uh, motivation. But I guess if it is about like something that you that you have to learn, because it is about um, exams or if it is about tests, which is quite not the, the optimal scenario or optimal situation to be in because there's a lot of pressure. And if there's a lot of pressure, then then I don't know if you're able to learn that well compared to when you're not having so much pressure and also pleasure in the end as well. But um, yeah, how can you just keep yourself accountable and, and are there some ways? Please check this out. Um, yeah. I'm probably actually going to talk about that, but I do really want you to to read and go through this because it is an amazing thing and an amazingly interesting and also valuable thing because we are learning all the fucking time, whether we are just consciously doing this or subconsciously, but but yeah, and there's probably going to be a lot of data in terms of like um, data by yourself. You know, you have learned some things and you have done some things and check it out. Check it out. It's important. It's cool. It's amazing. Top. When I was in college, you know, and now I am again in the article or the book summary or book notes article. When I was in college, I remember reading a book by the Nobel Prize winning physicist Richard Feynman. Wow, there is some sort of a, of a formula that is named after him as far as I know, or maybe even multiple ones. But I do just have something in my mind. Well, entitled Surely You're Choking. Oh, entitled Surely You're Choking, Mr. Feynman. And this is an amazing book. I think... And as far as I remember, this is just a, a really funny one. You know, there's a lot of jokes, you know, it's, it's not that serious. But yeah, what was, uh, what was interesting about the book was that it appeared to be nothing more than a compilation of rambling anecdotes about his personal life, his teachings, his work. And yet the weight of these anecdotes crept up on you so that by the time you finished the book, it was impossible to regard it as anything less than a finely honed, indictment of the scientific discipline so in the end you learned physics by just going through anecdotes which is just something quite amazing and when you're able to do something like that i do think it's not what anybody is able or everyone is by nature able to do you know some people are going to have this talent but as, as tim ferris also said um by me going through like many different articles and podcasts and what about learning and basically meta learning so learning how to learn that you can basically learn everything and be in the top 5%, as he says, in 6 to 12 months. 
even though I do have to say that it evolves quite a lot of time and it's not going to be like, well, I'm going to do this for like, I don't know, one hour a week and this is going to be fine. You know, it is like a part-time and maybe even a full-time job to do something like that. But, but you can, you know, you can. For business, this is when competing in a category that a career category can become problematic because this is when it can require a category ex- expert, a connoisseur, a canoza, however you're pronouncing it. But um, authority, specialist, arbiter of taste, pundit, savant, one of the blah, 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 blah. To negotiate the category with any kind of ease. Well, yeah. When a category has reached a point when it is impossible to make fun of the people who still believe in the differences across products, it has reached the point of what I refer to as heterogeneous homogeneity. The differences are there, but but they are lost in a sea of sameness. Note that the mockery quotation uh, of a category is directly correlated to the amount of meaningless different <laughs> meaningless differentiation in it. <laughs> well, well, well. But measurement can cut both ways. In track and field, we happen to measure speed, and so we cultivate a nation of speedsters. We actually do. If we happened to measure running style, and we could cultivate a nation of gazelles, The minute we choose to measure something, we are essentially choosing to aspire to it. A metric, in other words, creates a pointer in a particular direction. And once the pointer is created, it is only a matter of time before competitions or competitors heard in the direction of that pointer. Yes, of course. And I think this is also something that that is applicable to to parenting, to, to leading a company. Actually, quite everything that has something to do with leadership, because if you're pointing towards uh, being nice, being honest, and being uh, being a good person, your kids are also going to do that. If there is some way, and if there is some reason why why people are then going to do this in terms of like that, there is going to be a reward. That this is something that that you are um, praising. Then you know, because of course, if you're like, I mean, if your kid is hitting somebody, or if your kid is just doing some dumb shit, and you're like, well, wow, you did this in a really good way. You know, it's super. Please do this again. You know then this kid is going to do that again. But if you're just ignoring this kid then, and if you're just really like, I don't like that. This is not something that you should be doing. But on the other hand, if you're then just praising the shit out, the shit out of this kid, the shit out of this thing the kid did, if this kid did something amazing, then a kid knows, wow, this is what my mother likes me to do. This is what I should be doing. You know, and I think this is always the case for every single situation, which has something to do with uh, maybe also education. Since, I mean, if you're in a classroom, um, your teacher is somehow also kind of raising you. Because, I mean, if you're having certain values as a teacher, your students do have to conform to them, basically. So it, it really, truly is a great thing that, that she's saying there. Another way to say this is to say that a com- competitive metric uh, any competitive metric tends to bring out the herd in us. Yes, quite. The dynamic can be liked to the observer effect in physics, only applied to with too little foresight. The act of measurement changes the behavior of the thing being measured. The act of measurement changes the behavior of the thing being measured. Yes, kinda. Now, once you start measuring something, once you start, well, once you start thinking about things differently, I think that you're also gonna act about them differently. Kind of. This is what I think about. This is why if you're looking for a compromise solution, then yes, 
Take a poll, conduct some research, survey the people, but if you're looking for a unique solution, the last thing you should do is ask for a vote. Well, you know, important. Should I actually go through the whole one or should I just stop here? And this is quite it. Because I do not want to have that long episodes, you know? I do not. Maybe we can rehearse the things that, well, but this is also quite unnecessary, kind of. I do want to go through another one that I didn't really understand. Um, I think it's it's been this one. When a category has reached a point when it is impossible to make fun of the people who still believe in the differences across products, it has reached the point of what I refer to as heterogeneous homogeneity. The differences are there, but they are lost in a sea of sameness. Note that the mockery quotation of a category is directly correlated to the amount of meaninglessness differentiating in it. I don't quite understand. Don't quite understand. I just, I would have to deconstruct it and, and just then see. Um, for business, this is when competing in a category can become problematic because this is when it, when it can require a category expert, uh, blah, 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 to negotiate the category with any kind of ease. Is it, It's like, hmm... This when comp- competing in a category can become problematic. Like it's always going to be. The problem that I've also been talking about before is that when you are actually in a category, then it is always going to be. Um, it's always going to be more difficult because it's probably going to be a category category where you're already having some competitors. And this is the whole problem because if you're just able to create a new category, which is easily done by just making something for a specific uh, group of people that do just want to have this certain thing and nothing else, you're having a new category. It's like, you're probably having a, a just main category, like, okay, this is, uh, I don't know, cat food, but then you're having cat food that's vegan. And then you just come up with a new idea that's cat food that's vegan and paleo and also um, with low GI index. This is totally about marketing now, you know, because cats don't fucking care about that, probably. You know, they would just like to have some mice. But yeah, anyway, but then you have a new category. And or you're just doing something like, okay, this is cat food, but you can also use it for your dog. It's like just something in between for people that are having cats and dogs. It's not going to be for everyone, for everyone, but it's going to be for people that have cats and also dogs. Maybe there's also fish food as well for people that have cats dogs and fish. I don't know if this is practically working, but this is just some way to to think about it. And once you're having your own category, you're the first one and there's no competitor. You know, there's nothing to to negotiate. There's nothing to think about. You're the only one until somebody comes and just, you know, comes into your category and does the same shit and whatnot. But in the end, you're the only one, you know, which is then quite amazing because being the first one in the category is always a good thing because you're having an advantage, which is being the first one, you know, more time, probably also more knowledge, probably also more time in terms of development and all these things. Like overall, it is a good idea, you know, and it is always a good idea to um, to basically just create something for a relatively small amount of people, which is then going to grow to the quote-unquote majority. Because I think in the first beginning, the iPhone wasn't for everyone. And, you know, and not everyone wanted to have an iPhone. But in the first beginning, a few people were interested in that and bought it and, and dealt with it or dealt with it, whatever. But then they just got other people to to also use it, you know, because it became mainstream. 
you know, but in the first beginning, it's it's definitely not been mainstream. But yeah, um, this episode is now ending, I guess. I, I hope you've liked it because I have liked it. And, and I do see that I should kind of prepare them a little bit more because I think it is just a tiny bit better than just, I don't know, talking about something, I guess. I do have a feeling, you know, I really do have a, a slight feeling. Um, anyway, I wish you the best health of happiness and also success and also hope that you're going to remind yourself and you're going to be remembered, which basically means your legacy and basically means just being a nice person and then being remembered as a nice person. On the other hand, I'm having three questions for you, which are why are you here, what are you trying to change and what is bothering you the most, which is the last one. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I do really appreciate it. I really do appreciate you being here and you doing... Um, you clicking on the video and you're staying here, I tremendously appreciate that. I really, 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 really do. But yeah, I'm going to see you the next time, I at least hope. So maybe even consider subscribing to the podcast and or to the YouTube channel. I would appreciate that. But I'm going to see you the next time. Bye. So far. But because um, it's just loading and I can't the episode, I can't end the episode right now, I am going to talk about some things. Um, I've really liked the book so far, even though it's kind of a um, difficult thing if you're going through something the first time, which is also one of the reasons why going through it prior to recording the episode is also a good thing, because I'm, I'm not going to, well, yeah, I'm not going to read so shitty or in such a shitty way, but it is fine. You know, it's at least fine with me and or for me. But I really look forward to tomorrow when finishing up with this one. Because I guess there is there is even more. But um, but I just wonder what I should be doing in the next episode. But I'm going to figure it out because now I can end the episode. I'm going to see you. <laughs> I'm going to see you the next time. Thank you a lot. Really, really, really a lot. Like really a lot. Thank you. <laughs>